Listen, she has a significant family tie to the radio business. And I'm just going to say it to the country music business. That is unbelievable. Some people may not even know this because, you know, time passes and things happen and you see so much career from this person that we're talking about that you don't see the mountain that's sort of behind them as well. We're going to talk about all this. Um, Look, uh, this person probably had more experience with radio than any of us by the time she was 13. You know how hard that is to see in this business? Believe me, I could back it up with this particular episode. But her skills at mornings, uh, program two, by the way, uh, but but her skills at mornings certainly have separated her from others and allowed her to really stand out and come into her own and much more than that. She's programmed and she just took a new job that may seem a bit familiar to her and certainly to her listeners, to, to her local listeners. And we get to hear all about it today. I, I, I just don't know if it's possible for us to do all of everything in one interview, but we're certainly going to give it a shot. This sounds like exactly the kind of person that we really like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal is always the same, encourage radio pros at all levels. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, look, you know that we drop a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro working somewhere in radio right now each Sunday to enjoy our podcast. It's pretty simple. These aren't rules, but this is the way it works. You only have to be interested in others and be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools, and of course, ways to get ahead and make your uh, radio career more profitable and more successful. Each week, we have an opportunity to see an, a, really a snapshot of an individual in our business right now. And it allows us to really see radio from a different perspective, a different career arc, and hear how they are embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves RPC. Our practice is like an actual multiplier. It's kind of what we call ourselves. We help radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. That's what makes us a little bit different because we work on sort of both sides of the ball. It's just this simple. When we go to work for a client, they follow our collaborative process and strategy. Their revenue and profit margin increases. It rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Do you have enough ideas? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned to collect the most revenue in your market today? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you schedule a meetup. It's easy. It's free. First consultation, absolutely free. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. In just a moment or less, we'll be talking to Chris Daniels, morning co-host at KSKC. That's 93.7 Kiss Country in Fresno, California. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which is made available minutes after we record this interview and and we sling it out into our social media. That's how people usually uh, come in contact with us. And then they go, oh, my God, there's this big podcast that has 130 plus interviews, different personalities. You'd be a part of this. 
if you're just catching this in social media. A big thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast, too. You want to see what you could get for free from our team? It's quite a lot. We do it on our website. We don't lock anything away. RainmakerPathway.com. That includes our Encouraging Sales Success Series and our More Than Live and Local Series. Now, let's see what we could get from this week's uh, guest. Chris, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You know, I think you were surprised right before we started this interview. I told you how much admiration I had for you and how much <laughs> I've kept up with you in social media over uh, let's just call it a period of time that's longer than we'd like to put in. Right. Your, yeah, right. You don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I get what so, you're putting down, yes. But but look, first, your background, some would say, how do you not end up in radio? For those who don't know what I mean when I say your background, can you please share a little bit of what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So my dad, Larry Daniels, uh, ran KNIX Radio, probably his biggest uh, contribution, but for about 30 years. So KNIX Radio in Phoenix, which was owned by Buck Owens for the majority of that time. He uh, is in the Country Radio Hall of Fame, the Arizona Country Radio or the Arizona Radio Hall of Fame and then the Bakersfield uh, Hall of Fame as well. And he's actually one of the few left that was around during the Bakersfield sound because he was a musician as well. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we look, have pictures of him uh, playing with Merle Haggard on stage at the Fresno barn and open for wind Stewart. And I, I, it's all crazy. He's got some stories. Let me tell you. And listen, all of us that have been around in country music. We're like, well, you know, we're bonafide and all that. No, we're not. Not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not you like know. that. <laughs> Gosh almighty, he bathed in it and yeah. such a great person, you know, but but look, that this is a great place to start because like, man, when your dad is that guy, mm -hmm. K-N-I-X and just the contribution that the Owens made and the contribution that that Michael and and your dad and and all of the people on that team made is just, well, it's towering. Yes. Um, it, it, intimidating. Yes. Yeah, uh, not when it's your dad. Uh, so okay. <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of people say, oh, how did you not go into radio? But really, my dad thought I have brothers that are 10 and 8 years older than me. And my dad thought my oldest brother, who's really funny and can impersonate my, impersonate my dad to a T, he thought he would go into radio. Um, but I really wanted to go into acting and my dad was pretty realistic and was like, yeah, you and a million other people. So I went into uh, I started out into uh, fashion design and oh. quickly hated it um, because the people were so rude. <laughs> and so I asked him, I said, I really want to get into radio. What do I do? And I was going to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona at the time. And he's told me, he goes, you find a station. And you go in there and you tell them you'll work for free and you'll learn more in three months there than you'll work, learn in uh, college. And so I did. I went into calf country where Guy Christensen was the owner at the time. Um, I, I did not say who my dad was because I didn't really get radio. It was just my dad and he was on the radio and I got in parades and cut commercial as a yeah. kid. I didn't think anything. I didn't like 
know the dynamic of radio. So uh, they hired me and um, I'll never forget. I was talking to, I think it was like the night jock or the overnight jock. Cause I was probably doing weekends, overnights and nights. And I was talking to the guy who came in after me and, mm-hmm. and he showed me this, this magazine and on the back was a letter that the president, I think it was of the CMAs at the time or the CRB, something like that, um, wrote. I'm like, how is this guy the president? He came and write correctly. Like his oh. handwriting's horrible. And I looked at it, it was my dad. And I go, why? Oh. I go, why is my dad on this cover? He goes, hold on. Your dad's Larry Daniels. I'm like, yeah, you know him. He's like, oh my gosh. And I then I started kind of figuring out how radio worked as far as you know um i guess uh you know positions and you know markets and stuff like that so it was yeah. that was an eye opener uh, did your parents encourage you to go into radio oh no is that no <laughs> uh i wouldn't say they didn't encourage me once i was in it they they did but it wasn't like oh you should go it was you're going to go to college you know i was the last child um i was the only girl so was, you're going to go to college, you're going to do this. But my dad was very realistic because I had offers to do uh, take sports scholarships. And my, my dad's like, what are you going to do with that? You know, the, at the time, women mm. weren't really um, I think around that time, women were starting to like Jenny Finch and stuff like that. But but he was just like, yeah, that that's not realistic. That's not long term. And he was right. You know, um, well, no, it's a boys club, right? Oh, or God. It was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. But he yeah. was very, you know, if anyone ever thought he helped me, that was further from the truth. But he All did right, so, light a fire under me. Yeah. Now, now, look, do you feel being around your dad, all of his influence and that sphere of influence is amazing for you in terms of giving you so much experience that others just don't really have, even if you saw it or not to begin with? Or should I say, did you feel being so close to him that you knew more earlier? Absolutely. He, part of the reason I wanted to go into radio was he had a passion. It wasn't work. It was fun. And he loved it. And he would share with me. I was around him all the time. And I wanted to hang out with him even as a kid at the station. Not, not when he was doing like music logs, because I thought it was boring. Um, even though I loved, I love the music part. I loved hearing the new music and deciding where, you know, which artist should be played that part. I liked, but the actual like programming, you know, the boring paperwork stuff uh, that yeah. I, I wanted to run to the studio and hang out with his morning guy, uh, W. Stephen Martin. And, oh, yeah. um, so that, that was fun, but he was very, uh, very good at explaining, things to me and I don't know why if maybe he thought something but I do remember we would be in the car and I was probably like seven or eight and he's like what do you think of this song now remember I'm seven or eight so I'm like well if you're old like 30 which 30 is not old but uh when you're seven or eight I go if you're old like 30 I could see how this could relate to you someone my age and I broke it down like a true music director and he looked at me and was like wow that's that's pretty descriptive and stuff and um you know there were moments they needed kids for parades i would be that kid or um all of our holidays were spent around remotes or station events i thought that was normal Mm. um and then there were times where 
our our class got to go to the station. Our third grade class got to go to the station, and the production director wanted us all to write a PSA. Now, remember, I wanted to be an actress, and I was that weirdo kid that would be in the room recording, like me acting, like you know Charlie Brown, which I actually have that audio, acting out the whole thing and stuff. And um, so I wanted this script to be good. And yes. it was picked. And the production director went to my dad and was like, hey, here's the kids. And he's like, oh, you picked Chrissy. What, did you pick her because she's my daughter? And he goes, no, because it's actually her PSA was actually really good. And he's like, OK, as long as it's not because she's my kid. So everything boiled down to he didn't want anyone to think I got anything because I was his kid. And plus, he's making you earn it, right? Oh, he made me earn it. Yes. And and I I, I say that joking because I, I joke with my dad even now about it and my mom. But but it's one of the best things he ever did. I, I lived at home when I was still I was part time at KNIX. And this was early when my dad, by the way, would not hire me on the air. George King hired me. And George, I don't even think George told my dad. He said, check out this new part timer we have. They're nice. starting at midnight. The minute I opened the break and turned it off, the hotline rang and it was my dad. And I was hotlined like all throughout the night. Oh like, but I would get home because I still lived at home and he would have this three page write up of mostly everything I did bad and, and a lot of encouraging things, though, too. I should I should say that with the cassette. Yes, it was still cassettes, but um. And at the bottom, he would say, we'll talk more in the morning. I'm like, "What? you just gave me three pages. What else is there to talk about? All right. All right. So other than Chris, not you, Chris, but anyone else, just imagine that the person you're getting critiqued by is not just a boss. So you're. Yeah. yeah. OK, so now I'm going to I'm going to kind of switch gears. We're going to we're going to we're going to. Put your dad over here, and we're going to talk about Chris. Okay. You have a degree in psychology from Midway University, uh, your master's degree in counseling psychology from the University of the Cumberlands. Why did you study psychology, and what did you learn from these programs and your college experience, Chris? So, and I regret I didn't get my PhD, but that's a lot of time. Uh, but yes, uh, yes. I, I got that because... It, a long story, I had a listener when I worked at Cuss at night who would listen all the time. And I used to do this thing called Therapy Thursday, which I do now again. But um, she called in. She was a very lonely woman um, and she had wanted to commit suicide. And I told her, I'm not qualified for this. You have to call the suicide hotline. She did. Everything was great. She she uh, did not do anything. It was probably more of a call for help. But at that time, I thought, you know, radio is so powerful. Yes. What if I actually I wanted to create a show like Love Lines meets Delilah, but for country. And I thought, mm -hmm. what if I actually but I, I want the degree. What if I actually put myself back through school and got the degree and had the credibility because I'm already in radio. So I did that. And my goal was to create that night show which I have not yet done. But <laughs> the thing that's been great about it is that taught me so much as far as, well, you can profile people better, but it taught me how to 
you know, read our listeners in in person, but also manage Mm -hmm. people. That is so key as a manager. If you can assess the situation from a psychological aspect. Right. Because it's about them. It's not about the manager. Exactly. Right. And what are their needs? So listen, you and I discovered before this interview that you and I both worked at different times for WCHY in Savannah. But look, pretty early on, by the way, I I don't know how you mess up having the call letters WCHY and then it turns into (laughs) something else. But that's a whole nother story. Right. Early on, you worked for the old Clear Channel. See if this sounds familiar. KHGE in Fresno. Yep. What was that job like at the time for you? And what did you learn? Well, I remember at the time, uh, you know, it was brand new station. And I remember being nervous because it was going up against KSKS, you know, Kiss Country. I'm like, gosh, that station's so powerful. But you know what? I'm in. I want to see what I can do. And so it originally started out me and Athena. And we were two women doing mornings. Um. The GM decided, oh, no one wants to hear two women. So I went to middays. I worked for Chuck Geiger, who was (laughs) everyone knows Chuck Geiger is so creative. And I learned so much from him because he made me his APD music director. And I learned um, how to be a PD with thinking on my own. And he would give me tools. And he's, by the way, amazing at writing imaging. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. so... So I learned so much working for him and it, it was really cool because, you know, this is where my family is originally from this whole Bakersfield Fresno area. My, I, you know, my husband's from here. So it was really cool. Well, and, and later we'll talk about how you're brought back to that, but after Fresno, you went to work for Cox media group in Louisville, this kind of a big deal, uh, I feel like Louisville is a very special market. How did you fit in and make a difference doing mornings there? It's not only such a special market, it's a special market to me that I still voice track middays at that station. So that station um, we put on brand new Mm -hmm. station. And, and I remember going over there, you know, coyote, powerhouse pd amazing pd amazing station and i'm like and what am i doing (laughs) but uh but it was such a great thing um you know coming in taking on a station building it i remember going to nashville uh you know randy chase at the time was over all those cock stations and really championed with us because we started to do well in ratings Mm -hmm. um and we went in to ask for reporting status and we proved ourselves and um, doing mornings there, being a part of the community. You know, it's all Derby and uh, there's so many great events there. It, I loved it. If the weather was not so cold and I could have moved my family there, I would still live there today. I love yeah, right? Kentucky. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, look, in both of those jobs we just talked about, you were also the music director. So, I mean, I just Mm -hmm. just have the vision of you telling your dad and then it here you come. Uh, Have you always been passionate about the music, Chris? Always. My dad told me at the time and this is where I said he he lit a fire. That's the first time he, he was like, man, you're doing great. When I moved there, he goes, you can't go. 
what are you doing? You're you're going up against Coyote, which is a good friend of his. But uh, Coyote, he's an amazing PD. And I go, watch me. I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna win. And and it, we did. We started doing really great. Um, but it was just. I love the music. I used to get in trouble because I would sneak out to see uh, bands and uh, which my parents know everything now, but um, I just wanted to be around the music. I loved at that time, you know, you had new artists like Thomas Rhett and John yeah. party. And um, I just loved sitting down and being a part of the music. And my whole philosophy was we need to pick the artists that we believe in. And, you know, help them on their journey to become bigger stars. I, I not only was the music director for that station, but also the Dayton station, uh, K99 as well at that time. So, you know, working with Nancy and stuff was amazing as well. It, it was just so I, I love everything about music and it was such a powerful um, market. I don't it's something different about Louisville. I love how busy you are. Like, you know, you're just giving us little little snapshots here and there. I also was doing this and I was doing that. And mm -hmm. it, it's just a part of who you are. The next turn is really interesting. Director of Music Programming, Radio Disney, Radio Disney Country. Uh, that had to be interesting. You're in Burbank, if I'm getting that right. What made that job different? And did you pick up a lot working for Disney? Oh, absolutely. And just to uh, clarify, when I left Louisville, I went to Vegas and I was a PD and I did mornings there. And that's going to be there, my next question. I, oh, had that got a little it. Out, I had that a little out of order there. Okay. That's okay. But, but yes, it was so interesting. Um, working at Disney truly is magical. I know that sounds dumb, but it's not. I mean, they treat their employees so amazingly. But when I went in there, I went in like radio. And right. I quickly learned it wasn't radio. It, it, it was, but it was more streaming. So basically mm -hmm. everything I learned about radio on, on one sense, as far as how, you know, in radio, some of our songs celebrate birthdays, let's be honest, you know, in country radio. So there I had to throw a lot of my music theories as far as uh, the way, well, I shouldn't say theories, it was just the way we would schedule music out the, the window and think completely different you know a lot of our playlist was more 60 percent female on the countryside so i ran the pop and the country uh under phil who was an amazing boss love him um and it was interesting because it was more streaming so like your songs in the country world would be done after maybe 12 weeks tops where the pop was faster so i was finding all these artists that i I'd never heard of it. I'm like, as a music director and as a PD, how have I never heard of these artists? Because they're so talented. Some were signed, some weren't. It was just, it was an eye opener of how much music is actually out there. And, you know, at that time, it, it was also, we were seeing how for some, it didn't matter if they had a label to get noticed. Obviously, label, having a look, label what is you're, What you're really describing right now is... Mm -hmm that turn that now is streaming 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 yes you know, it's it's just an explosion of how much is out there yes and and i i'm grateful i learned that 
in 2019 mm-hmm. because right. it was right at the turning point. Let's back up. Las Vegas, you got to tell us about that because now I'm getting the feel that you're really this Western girl, you know, <laughs> that you like those Western markets, you know, and yeah. certainly Las Vegas is like in the desert. Yeah. Tell us about programming there. Vegas is probably one of the hardest markets I've ever programmed in. And I heard a lot of people say that. I'm like, well, it's got to be like Arizona. Nope, it's not. Nothing like it. It, In one sense, it is. But Vegas is a town that is the turnover. You know, you could have someone living there for three years and then they're gone. So the loyalty there. And by the way, there are a lot of listeners that are local and stay there and are still loyal. And they're amazing. But you know, it's also a service industry. So your hours, you know, uh, an overnight show would probably do extremely well because a lot of people, the casinos and stuff, they're getting done at two, 3 a.m. And they're starting, you know, to wind down. So it's it's different. Um, we did very well there because mm-hmm. we were local. And even though it is one of those towns where if you don't get in with the locals, you're not going to get in. Right, And it was constant being out and, uh, you know, doing mornings, being a PD and hosting bar nights. I do not recommend. Oh, and getting your master's. I don't (laughs) recommend that. I'm like, uh, that was very hard, but I loved a lot of the people that I met there. Wow. It It was a fun gig for sure. That's for sure. Well, you know, you're talking about Las Vegas. I always in the, on the East Coast, it's always people who go, oh, man, I'm going to Jacksonville, Florida. It's going to be the beach and all this. And I'm like, no, Jacksonville <laughs> is the redneck capital of Southeast Georgia. It's not actually right. in Florida. You know, so it's interesting to hear Las Vegas kind of reframed in that way. That's more true. Yeah. In March 2021, you went to work for Odyssey as an executive network producer and on-air talent in Nashville. So now we're catching up with you in Nashville. This seems like it had more to do with podcast and national talent, but you're sitting in Music City, so you developed further relationships with the label community. Am I understanding that job correctly? Yeah, it was it was really cool because now I worked for my home studio, but I was able to go to a lot of events, you know, in Nashville. And as you know, uh, until you live in Nashville, you don't get it. Like you think, oh, like I always thought, oh, it'd be so nice if I lived in Nashville for CRS. I could just go home. No, no, no. Always stay there. It was too much going back and forth, running kids here and there. But it was very interesting because I got to see. And again, this goes back to the streaming thing. I got to go to a lot of events that were really cool. And a lot of these events, I would see radio, but it's not like if you go on a showcase or you're at CRS where you know everyone because they're all radio. More than half of the people, I'm like, who are these people? I don't don't even know my own industry. Well, a lot of it's influencers, streamers, or maybe publishing companies, you know. So it was really interesting to see everything that came about. Um, I think working with especially, you know, the Robin Holly show, it, it made me take a step back as far as really getting back in producing stuff, you know, reaching out to different contacts, thinking outside the box and not thinking just, okay, this is what we do, but thinking more of an, on a national level. 
And um, you, so that was great. I want you to listen to what she is saying just on the peripheral, you know, the, the different things that Chris Daniels have been involved in. And, you know, look, we didn't really kind of, we kind of hinted at this a little bit, but uh, let's, let's do an A, B here. A is this is a business that's really challenging for women, uh, really challenging for women to get in leadership positions, be respected, uh, do all the things that women do that comes naturally, I think, maybe not, I don't know, but it sure seems like the powerful women in our industry have a lot of similarities. It's very interesting. That's our A. And then for Chris, you've got the B, which is she grew up in this family and all this stuff. So, you know, the the deck is kind of stacked and all this kind of stuff. Man, it's hard. She's going to climb up above the flight deck and have this really great career. Here is a quote about you, Chris. Quote, Chris Daniels has been a phenomenal mentor to me over the past year in relation to music programming. Her willingness to share her knowledge, skills, and expertise has been a great benefit to me. Chris is a great communicator, always positives, uh, uh, values ongoing learning. She has personally invested her time to help grow me in the field. I am very grateful for her guidance. Now, Chris, I'm going to address wow, you. Wow, who wrote that? Yeah. I need to send them flowers. <laughs> that was well, nice. Listen, listen to me. In your opinion, what does it take to be a great mentor? You certainly have had examples of people in your life, whether, uh, man, just across the board. But what does it take to be a great mentor? I think you need to share the good, the bad, the ugly. Because it's not, you know, like you said, I didn't have a lot of female um, mentors because there wasn't a lot of females that were doing what I ultimately wanted to do. There there was one, Chris Wilson, who was at Real Country, the network, and I loved her on-air style. And um, so I think as a mentor, I try to find, because I did coach talent at Disney and um and Vegas as well, but I try to find what is it you really want to do. You know, how can we get you there? Here's some right. advice. This is what's worked for me, and here's some things that don't do because they, they don't work. Right. <laughs> don't they make don't my work. mistake. Yeah. But I also encourage, you know, you you spend and I feel like, and this is just my situation, so it's not everyone's. I felt like I spent so many years trying to get to that PD gig when I was probably ready 10 years prior. I spent mm. so many years proving myself and you get to a point where you are juggling family and everything. And then it comes down to, I want to do what's best for my family. And, and I will say too, and this is very hard for women. And I can say this also as a therapist, if you have a partner that doesn't mind being in the taking the back seat. You know, I, I've been blessed. My husband, he gets radio. He wants to be nowhere seen. <laughs> he doesn't want pictures. He's in the back and he is my biggest champion. So he, you know, that that does say something. He's helped me a lot with the kids. And that is, I don't, I don't think I'd be doing half the stuff I did if it wasn't for him, for sure. So amazing. Um did I just hear that you're a therapist also? 
Yes, but, but I may that. be giving up the license because I, I just have too much going on. Mm, Kids see, are licensed, well, so yeah, I am licensed. Boy, in the there's state no of doubt, right? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so listen, you have so much experience in mornings on radio. You have such passion for it. In your opinion, what are the most important skills for a morning show talent to master? The art of listening, I think, is one of the biggest things that people, you know, a lot of times when you go into an interview, you have everything planned out or whatever. Obviously, planning is huge, show prep, you know, but not. I'm not talking like just rip and read show prep. I'm talking true planning. Um, But a lot of times when you go into an interview and you're interviewing someone, and and I remember I was coaching a talent, and they went into this interview with Kelsey Ballerini and Kelsey Ballerini went into this whole thing on mental health. Now this was before mental health. This was before the pandemic and stuff. And right. before the inter- we got all attached to mental right, health. Right. Right. And the interviewer, and, and I get it. I've been there. You're sticking to your list, but glazed over an opportunity to really right. dive in deep because Kelsey was opening the door on vulnerability. And if she had just listened for a second, then it could have gone into probably one of the best interviews ever. And it was still a great interview. Don't get me wrong, but I use that for myself. I need to listen when I'm interviewing because you can plan all day and you go down a totally different path and it's a much better interview. Um, That, and then also be true to yourself. You know, I'm very, uh, there's, I'm, I'm, there's part of me that's very redneck and I don't hide that. I'm very vocal on anything from, you know, my flaws because that's, you know, listeners can relate to that. And I, I, I'm their friend. Chris Daniels understands vulnerability. Listen to you. I love this. You know, look, just in the last couple of minutes here, you've talked about vulnerability. You've talked about planning and how important that is and doing the proper prep. Man, these are the kind of things that need to be in our podcast. We love it when people share this. Now, we get to come full circle with you, or at least full circle at the moment. At least, uh, um, I am assuming that you're having a bit of a homecoming. You're in yes. Fresno. Tell us about your current job, please. And how did that come about? I am so grateful to be home. We were never going to move again. Right. I'd gotten several different job offers. My husband's like, nope, we're staying in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, not moving. Kids doing great in baseball and great place to raise kids. And then I get a call from um, Andy, who's my PD, who's amazing. And uh, and Charlie Cook, I talked to Charlie Cook about another amazing individual, and they wanted me to come do mornings in Fresno. And the minute I told my husband, he was like, well, time to go home. So I was like, oh, my God. And I love mornings. I love getting up. I'm weird. I love getting up at three, (laughs) getting my coffee. I love being in a studio when other morning people are around. Um, talking to people on their way into work. I just, that was, that was one thing that when I was at Odyssey, I'm like, I'm not really doing what I love. 
I love everyone at Odyssey. I just wasn't doing what I love. And yeah. so when that opportunity came about, it was just timing was perfect. We got to come back home. My, uh, my kids are around their cousins. We all live, you know, uh, a block away. I mean, it's just, it's everything. You know, my parents are older too. I need to be able to go see them in, in Phoenix and stuff. So yeah. it was just, I, I just, every day I'm like, this is what I love. Y'all get in the car and go to Phoenix. How far a trip is that? 10 hours. Oh, yeah. The flight's only 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. All right. But they do so, have spring training. So we'll be there for that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so listen, um, we talk a lot about the future. Humans love to do that. You know, we're frail. We don't you talk about your vulnerability. You know, the older you get, the more you realize that you know less than you thought you knew earlier and all this kind of stuff. But we love to talk about the future. Uh, and none of us can really predict the future. Look, Chris Daniels, if, if you could be in control of it, if you could wave that magic wand, if you will, what would you like to see the future of local radio become? I'll start off by saying every time I answer this question, I'll look back and be like, why did I say that? That was dumb. So <laughs> that being said, because I'm thinking in the moment and not the future, I think local radio is very important in certain markets, especially. Yes, national. And there, there's a place for both for national and local. Um, what I've always said is when I was in Vegas, I would hear a lot of our listeners, the females be like, oh, why aren't you playing so-and-so's new song? And I'm like, well, we are. And they're like, no, you're not. That song's been out for a year. So what I quickly, you know, I asked them, you know, what, why are you listening to us? Well, I listen for the morning show. So the content and then mm-hmm. listen for the tickets, the giveaways, but they mm. were getting their new music from us at least at that time. And I always thought if we could do what the streaming services are doing, bringing the new music, but bringing the content and everything, we would have a win-win. But, you know, you also have to look at that 40 to 55 or 54-year-old demo. Are they there yet? The younger demo is. But are they there? And by the way, that's still young. But you know what I mean? Like where? So it's it's finding that balance because, you know, typical mm-hmm. research will show new music doesn't test well. But then you've got Zach Bryan, who's amazing and putting out all this amazing music. You know, so it's it's I don't know really how to answer that because I'll look back and say that was dumb. <laughs> so I'm just being honest. <laughs> well, so you're going to experience the future just like the rest of us. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's an impossible question to answer. Chris, I want to thank you for spending this time. People don't know, you know, you said, my life is not my own. I do all this baseball and all, you know, and I've always admired that about you too, when it comes to family and here you are balancing this career and doing all these things. And, you know, and now I know your secret is also your husband too, but I want to thank you for spending this time with us and being our guest. Hey, I appreciate you even asking me. Thank you so much. This is so much Please, please, being with you now, I mean, I told you before this that I admired you a lot, but now being with you for this conversation, I'm thinking about trying to beg to ask you to come back and maybe we could do a uh, Women in Country roundtable, which would be really amazing to do, I think. I would love to. We have so many amazing women 
in country radio and well and country music obviously that yes. I, I would be honored to be a part of that all right so listen please don't take for granted what we're doing here and help us by sharing this episode directly from your website it's easy rainmakerpathway.com you'll go in there you'll see the little thing at the top and it'll say uh free blog section and then you, you'll get it the, the podcast is there all that stuff and you'll be able to share it just from the link at the top um share it with others who are interested in growing their career in radio you can share it in social media as well this episode of the encouragers the radio rally podcast is designed Designed like the other 130 plus already in our archive to encourage radio pros at all levels. I want to thank our special guest who is an absolute phenomenal rock star. You wouldn't expect less, but she's so much more. Chris Daniels, morning co-host at 93.7 Kiss Country in Fresno, California. She's been so special with us. A special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Alec podcast which of course we make available minutes after the live interview. And we want to say thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. We say this all the time to uh, on the podcast, to our clients at RPC. Uh, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you have questions about this philosophy, please reach out to me. It'll be my fun and certainly my passion to tell you all about it. I'd love to prove it to clients every day. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now, go make it a great week in local radio.